Hello and welcome to the ABC Music Talk podcast. This episode introduces another new category with a focus on lifestyle. With these episodes, I'll be sharing my experiences on a range of topics about life inside the music industry, adding tips and advice along the way, and hopefully bringing in others from my network to do likewise. The title for this episode is The Remote Worker. This is something that is becoming more and more common, so I wanted to look at it look at why this is a trend, some of the different types of remote workers and common issues facing those in these positions. I also wanted to share some of the things I found to improve both how to cope or improve your situation as a remote work worker, as well as some things to consider if you have people in your team who are in this situation. Although I want to be clear from the outset, there is no magic bullet to being or including remote workers in your professional life. I think this is most evident with the focus on it from the tech community. There is a continual release of new productivity applications with sharing and collaboration as central themes as they try and solve some of the issues I'll raise in this episode. I'll be talking about both being a remote worker to overseas located headquarters but also being in charge of offices and staff in remote locations to myself. I'll cover some of the benefits as well as the downsides. Of course, this idea of a remote worker doesn't have to include all of the layers of complications like time zones, language or cultural differences, but to do the subject justice, I do need to cover it all. Also, you never know when some of these areas may creep into your world, either through additions to your team or the company you work for is perhaps being bought by a foreign entity or simply you changing jobs. To be clear, I consider a remote worker as anyone that is primarily either part or full-time, located somewhere else other than in the main office of a particular company. Now, I realise that in some companies, some companies allow or encourage certain territory offices to run fairly autonomously, but there will still be elements within those businesses tasked with joining it all back up together again. The other thing to be clear on is that there really is no limit to the size of these scenarios. Literally two people sitting in the same office with one other person working primarily from home will cause some of the topics I discussed to become apparent. Most people in a remote worker situation feel it every day, and certainly from my experience, if there are a few people in the remote office or even in some of the remote offices, their collective experiences are actively discussed by that smaller team. It's something common that they share, but ironically, through that camaraderie, divisions are created between them and the team in the HQ. So let me through let me run through some of the key areas that concern this topic. As mentioned earlier, ge- geographically linked ones are the most commonly discussed, like people working on different time zones, speaking different languages or less obvious cultural differences, both informal and formal. There are some technical issues too, whereby the need to bring uniformity into what types of software are being used to communicate outside of the ubiquitous email. Certainly I've noticed a widening of messaging opportunities creep into my day to day, which adds another layer of complication and in, in information access and organisation to it. So why is it so common now and why do so many of us choose to take these roles? I think for the most part, the savings in both time and money are normally the two main reasons why companies encourage or accept it as much as the individuals themselves choosing to work this way. A quick search on the internet for average commute time will, in your own country I'm sure, differ, but in the UK that is a staggering two hours a day 
Personally, I've in the past got back to three hours just to get to work and back. It's why housing in cities gets so expensive due to scarcity as well as a decrease in personal space for the same reason. This then has an impact on personal health and well-being. Then there is the cost of travel being so high in cities like London that sometimes it's part of the benefits package for those lucky enough to have an employer willing to engage on the subject. I know companies like Warner have all sorts of schemes to help people get to work, like bike purchase schemes. These journeys often run into thousands of pounds a year, so cutting them out in theory is a huge win for employers and employees alike. Individuals may, of course, have a, a wider range of reasons for specifically why they end up working remotely, but I'd say most of the time those reasons fit into the or are linked to the same time and money issues. When I set up and ran the international business for Ingrooves, I set a, a late start time for my UK team, who sat in the middle of the time zone spectrum with Australia on the one side and West Coast America on the other. This achieved a few things. Not only did it help bridge that gap of like what the working day was from the point of view of the different cities, but it also had the benefit of allowing people to miss the stress of peak rush hour, as well as making it cheaper due to off-peak travel pricing. I also found it made the process of getting to work seem less like a chore. I work in the music industry and therefore, by the nature of it, there are always work-related activities after office hours, and sometimes till late into the evening. I found it improved people's physical and mental health, leading to fewer sick days, which in the, in the UK the company would be paying for. However, the main uh, thing for me as MD was that we were a small team. <clears throat> it was more important that the team was on it, uh, otherwise our clients would suffer. If someone was off sick, it wasn't always easy to pass their work to someone else, as we were a little light in personnel in various departments. But on the subject of the remote worker, something I did was set a rule that if they felt they could achieve more by working from home on a particular day, then they should do that, as long as they weren't missing scheduled meetings and, of course, letting people know ahead of time. Also, we had a sort of honesty policy, which the team seemed to take to, uh, with regards to being absent from work, which was, and let's just use this example, um, if you have a hangover, don't come to work tired and moody, get yourself together, explain you need a few extra hours to get straight and then come in or, or be online from home. I found you get more from people for the rest of, the, of that day that way. It worked quite well. So this was me mixing the remote worker and office worker concepts together, which is actually what I'd recommend to any CEO or MD or any manager in that type of position. You soon learn if someone has the right type of committed attitude, uh, the, you know, th these, pr these principles only work if you have the right type of people for the, for the work that they're supposed to be doing. I mentioned already the increase to the way people now communicate with me. Today, there are so many accepted ways to conduct business communications, and in, in many instances, it has bled into the same channels we use socially. Increasingly, communications are written, and, and often in a modern-day shorthand, abbreviations, acronyms, and just generally sort of literary shortcuts that get used. In part, this is coming out of restrictions from certain formats, originating, I think, from text messages, SMS, then reinforced by Twitter's 140 character limit, but also status updates on social media and other communication, common communication types. <clears throat> the platforms I'm using in this way include the slightly exhausting list of places to not only check daily, but multiple times throughout the day, including text, WhatsApp, Gchat, WeChat, LinkedIn messages, DMs from Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, Slack or Skype, and of course, 
email. Spoken communications, I, I have a, a similar long list. Zoom, Skype, Slack, WhatsApp, Hangouts, VoIP conference lines, and of course the mobile, and well, rarely a landline, but still. Now, direct conversations through this spoken communication are, are one thing via these channels, and, and normally I, I find very effective. However, I've always struggled with conference calls. Still today, with all of our fast connections and improved hardware issues, issues with connections continue to plague these. Sometimes, however, worse than that are the distractions that come with video calls, where you miss some of the interpersonal elements. For example, when jokes are told that only those in the main room can hear or understand, then laughter kicks in, which overrides anything else that's being said. No one in that main room appreciates that for everyone else on the phone, it's just just sitting there feeling isolated and certainly not involved. I don't think I've ever been in a conference call when uh, there are, say, multiple people in one particular location, all sharing a, a mic, where I can hear everyone clearly. So, slight delays in sound, people talking off camera or simply away from the microphone, dialogue happening between people in the main room or someone on the call is speaking, tapping on a computer that's on the same desk as the microphone, and other distracting elements make for a more fractured communication form. One thing I just mentioned, interpersonal communication, which is the process by which people exchange information, feelings, and meaning through verbal and non-verbal messages. In short, face-to-face communication. It's lacking in almost all of the most common ways we communicate daily with each other. From my experience, a a principal problem comes from the misunderstandings that result from these these issues, often manifests itself into uh, this sort of anxiety that is created from feelings of being left out of the loop and an annoyance when it continues to happen. This contributes uh, or leads to resentment towards colleagues and sometimes creates irreparable relationship breakdowns. I know I've been on both sides of that multiple times. This problem of feeling left out of the loop is one of the main motivations behind the plethora of productivity applications that that, uh, that try and solve team communication. Almost almost always developed with a a scathing look at email as the the worst culprit of communication breakdowns. But as mentioned, any instance of a, a removal of interpersonal communication can cause it. The idea is, if you create a formal structure and remove joined up dialogue by putting information into labeled buckets, either for information purposes or with the intent of creating an action from them, then technology can solve these modern day business problems. Or at least, as stated, that is the idea. In the past, I've designed intricate Salesforce implementations amongst a globally located workforce, bringing together a variety of different departments. On a smaller scale, I've done the same with Asana to streamline daily and weekly processes or in weekly orientated you know, activities which allow for multiple departments to contribute to the output. I practice regular use of Trello, which I now rely on for so many different purposes as I find it so simple to use. It also allows me to bring in, in, uh, in, in others at any point thanks to the team components to it. The common requirement for all these platforms is that people need to use them. More user-friendly versions of databases, they are only ever as good as the information put into them. To me, the main reason why these implementations can fail, or at least falter at start, is that in our current state of evolvement as business people, we are routinely pulled back out of them into the aforementioned email and conference calls. 
and certainly personally I feel like it's a constant tug of war. They almost only work if people start to rely on them. And often there is top-down support from, you know, often the, the, you, know, you need top-down support from management, which in itself can be a roadblock. As a quick aside to this, I know various CEOs and business leaders who are extremely successful and they don't even have a computer or, or at least aren't tied to one. I get the feeling that they practice this belief that it's if it's important enough, then it will find its way to them. And for the most part, they aren't concerned with what other people want from them and they are doing what they think is important or the right thing to do for their business. I certainly envy those folks. So let's move on to another component, the, the challenges the remote work, the, the challenges remote worker. Home office discipline. It's fairly well known that things to look out for that are affecting productivity are daydreaming, constantly moving from one task to the next, drinking too much tea and coffee, etc. Personally, I find that these are all symptoms of the need to get outside, move a bit, even if it's just a short walk. Getting away from that screen, putting that device down, so important. It's so important to productivity. In an office environment, there are constant distractions, which mean you, you take that break, whether they are meetings in a conference room, trips to lunch with a colleague, or purposeful out-of-office meetings at a coffee shop, which are very much, very much is the result of trying to achieve the same screen break solution. But when you're on your own, it feels much harder to justify that action, as you've only you know you only have yourself to sort of make that decision. And typically there are always more things to do. And as, as mentioned, the never-ending notification noises coming from the various devices pull you back to the screen. I think I'll close on some of the, those geographical aspects that plague some remote workers. Time zones are quite obvious as to the challenges they cause, primarily a delay in communication when they aren't aligned as much as real-time collaboration. One troublesome issue, however, is the expectation from the main office that remote workers should fit with their <coughs> regular working hours. This contributes in part to that anxiety I mentioned earlier that the remote worker isn't really in the loop, as a meeting will just appear on their schedule out of normal working hours without any prior warning or consideration. Now, taking a rational view of it, those in the HQ just aren't thinking about the unorthodox hours you're keeping to accommodate their working day it's almost never done with malice. And in some ways, you know, if the majority of the company output is occurring in that time zone, you as a remote worker are easier to move than the rest of the company. It's really actually very practical. Personally, however, I try and encourage a rule for remote workers that follows something like, if it is an exception, then you make it. If it is recurring, then you reassess. One tactic is to arrange meetings that perhaps are on a Monday afternoon for West Coast, that are actually the Tuesday morning for Asia. That doesn't always work if you have someone in, say, Europe, of, of course, but <clears throat> at, you know, and if they need to join. But almost always, there is some sort of compromise that can be made. But it takes effort and forethought. This level of consideration is required in order to produce harmony and happiness amongst a multi-located team. Happiness, of course, is a key catalyst to productivity, which, as a manager, you always need to aim for and encourage. Language barriers are one of the most obvious issues that affects remote workers. Typically, I find people are kind of concerned by it in the first instance, but very quickly become frustrated with whoever is trying to communicate in their broken second or third language. I know being English, I am horribly spoiled and certainly always try and remain cognizant to this advantage I have. 
technology once again is trying to improve this and great strides are being made around voice in this area so I hope it continues. National holidays can cause some damage to the working calendar when you have multiple countries who all contribute to regular meetings. Typically the music industry works to a weekly release cycle and in western markets you can often find sizable chunks of the year when those planned regular meetings fall apart due to enforced national holidays. I mostly have uh, experience of adding uh, Asia markets, Asian markets in, into that mix and similarly this exacerbates the problem. This is a good example of the type of cultural differences that can result in resentment of colleagues who are absent or you know, when others aren't, especially if they are in the minority that expectation by the mass that they should be present when they themselves wouldn't dream of skipping their own national holiday can be a common theme it creates a visible separation i don't particularly want to get into national customs in this episode because quite frankly i wouldn't do it justice but needless to say that it can lead to a whole new set of issues as i've mentioned before and i hope it's clear from all this i'd advocate for a healthy mix of both office life and remote working. Easier said than done, as ironically time and money come back into the into play in, it, in, in achieving that balance. But by having both, balance should be easier to achieve, especially if the separation is unavoidable in the first place. That extra effort should be budgeted for and considered from the outset. If you can bring people together, the trick is to make the best use of that time. Whenever I travel for a week in the home office of a, of a company, I plan meticulously through a series of Trello cards regarding who I need to spend time with and what I need to get from them. It's something I've practiced for years and certainly works. In fact, I always come away from those trips after having worked hard at building those relationships, feeling far better connected with the home team. And it always reminds me uh, that ultimately we're all on the same team and, and our goals are almost always aligned. So I think I'll leave it there. But may well revisit this subject in in the future, especially as new developments occur in in the technology space. As a recap, my top tips are establish a balance between remote and office working, spend time on making sure it works for you by communicating with others. They will surprise you as to how accommodating they can be, but you need to ask. They will not be thinking about it as an issue. Then, when you're all together, lean into that opportunity to connect with as many people as you can and use that limited time on interpersonal communication. It's truly the best way of building and maintaining relationships. So, once again, thank you for listening. Uh, And as ever, I welcome all feedback, comments and suggestions for future shows. Uh, The best way of contacting me is via my Twitter handle, which is at Alex Branson. And if you'd like to talk to me directly via that, uh, just uh, send a, a post something uh, with podcast dm uh, i'll follow you and then we can communicate directly or of course visit my website which is www.abcmusic.co and there you'll find a contacts page with my email address on it so thank you once again for listening i'll see you on the next one